This episode of Prosody Monstrosity is called Boundary Issues. Boundary Issues. On one end of that continuum, let's just look at boundary issues as a continuum. And we're going to compare social psychology and politics, political division, and boundary issues. Boundary issues. Conservatives, politically, if you could reduce it into the concept of boundary issues, conservatives have boundaries and liberals do not. On the extreme end of that continuum, conservatives are all about boundaries, border walls, strong, tough-on-crime prison sentences that include the boundaries of jails and prisons, private property rights, and more. Liberals, on the other hand, on the extreme end of liberalism, there would be no boundaries. Where on the conservative end, there's a boundary of adulthood. Anyone 18 and older is an adult. Anyone under 18 is a child. There's a boundary there. On the liberal end, there is no boundary. Where we are seeing today, literally, factually, this is a fact, this is, uh, maybe exposes my bias, but we're seeing in cities and townships and school board meetings throughout the U.S., uh, a disintegration of the boundary of, say, the legalities of sex with minors. We're seeing definitions being changed and a type of liberalism being applied to uh, removing terms such as pedophilia uh, and replacing those terms with something gentler or more euphemistic, euphemistic or less stigmatizing or something um there are areas where the liberalism and conservatism get crossed enmeshed confused things like gun ownership rights second amendment rights where it's almost the opposite of conservatives having boundaries and liberals having no boundaries but let me just kind of take it a step further because if you actually take it a step further then it makes sense so while liberals are generally trying to make all sorts of laws making accessibility to gun ownership more difficult background checks uh banning things like concealed carry 
making laws in regards to how many rounds a clip or a magazine for a gun can carry, uh, how quickly one can access purchasing a gun, whether you can cross state lines with those guns, whether one state's gun laws are valid in another state, all of those kind of things. Conservatives, the strong boundary that conservatives have is do not infringe upon the Second Amendment. That's a strong boundary. That citizens have the right to own, purchase, have, carry armaments. That's a strong boundary. Liberals are trying to make all sorts of laws which seem like boundaries in order to disintegrate the Second Amendment. So that's a firm and strong boundary is do not infringe upon my right to bear my arms. That's, that is a boundary. The infringement on that boundary is lack of boundaries or not having boundaries. Is this making sense? Conservatives are all about boundaries. Liberals are about no boundaries. The southern border would be another example to look at. Abortion is another example, but uh, another example to look at. These are examples we can look at in a little more detail. The conservatives would be about having a strong border around the United States, a strong border on the southern border. Conservatives are pro-border. Liberals are against a border. Liberals want open borders. Conservatives want borders. Abortion. Liberals want abortions. Conservatives don't. Uh, that, these are sort of the obvious ones. This is kind of the low-hanging fruit of what is obvious. Now let's rhyme those political understandings with social psychological terminology. Boundary issues. Codependent. Codependent people. If you reduce down what being a codependent person is, that is someone who has poor boundary issues. A codependent person is someone who has unresolved trauma. Unresolved trauma and codependent is so prevalent, it is the norm that it is truly that fish-in-the-water metaphor, where codependent people are absolutely the norm where it's hard to even see what it is because most people are codependent. We're surrounded by it. We're surrounded by it constantly and 
prevalently and through our whole lives that it's hard to see it. And for those of you not familiar with that fish in the water metaphor, it goes like this. If you tried to tell a fish what water is, that fish might be like, what? You know, it's just the, the invisible, ubiquitous, all-consuming, all-surrounding substance that is so absolutely prevalent that they're literally in it to the point where they can't see it because it's just surrounding every aspect of their life. And that is how codependent people are and codependent behavior is in our world today. The way we see codependent people symptomizing uh, is similar to children. Uh, children very oftentimes lack boundaries. Uh, it's one thing for, say, a five-year-old or an eight-and-a-half-year-old to run up to you and grab you by your legs and give you a hug and and say, I love you, and and then three minutes later, run up to you again and do that. Let's say you're just visiting your dear friends and they have children and the children love you and they come running up and hug you over and over. Now, that's a beautiful thing. That is not codependent. Those are children being children. And if they're hugging an uncle or an aunt or a friend and they are truly joyfully, exuberantly stoked and happy to see that aunt or uncle or loved one or visiting friend over the holidays or something, that is not codependent. Those are children being children. But if an adult was running up to you and doing that to you over and over, <laughs> that might be uh, a symptom of boundary issues. And I say this a little bit joking because I want to point out the difference between a healthy child being unrestrained in their joy and love and glee compared to a healthy, uh, a healthy child doing that compared to a codependent adult. Uh, codependent is not necessarily easy to uh, quickly talk about and to quickly talk about a topic one might be doing that topic a great injustice so uh, sometimes people who are codependent might not have some kind of malicious or ill will or anything it could be truly a um, person who's extremely loving and happy to see you but um, there, there's a there is a boundary there that might need to be addressed if, say, that adult was being way too touchy-feeling with, say, someone who doesn't want to be touched or felt that way. Uh, that could be a very mild example of codependent in a way that's not necessarily uh, placing some kind of guilt or shame onto that codependent person. It's just, it's just a boundary issue. And it's not like they're a bad person or anything. Uh, a more extreme version of someone who's codependent is 
uh, verbal, verbal diarrhea. Let's say someone has frequent episodes of rage and explosiveness verbally and communicates in a violent manner with their words, where their words are like, you, 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 you did this and you did that. And just a lot of finger pointing and hostility and verbal diarrhea. That's also a type of boundary issue. The the boundary of invading someone's space with your explosive diarrhea coming out of your mouth through hostile and inappropriate words and name calling and all of those things. And it can be very similar to a child. The reason I mention children is because one way to look at a codependent adult is that because of that unresolved trauma, there is a stunting. And let's say, let's say a child was severely traumatized at five years old or eight and a half years old or some, some child age. And it could either be one significant, massive, major, major trauma, like your 9-11 example. Or it could be more of a drip, 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 constant, chronic, over and over type trauma, like some kind of chronic <clears throat> abuse, either witnessing it to another family, family member or directly experiencing it. Witnessing it in someone else is horror. Experiencing it personally over and over is terror. And that's a topic I'll do in the future, the difference between horror and terror. Like a horror movie, you can sit in a movie theater and watch a horror movie. Uh, terror is when something is happening directly to you. There's a difference. That's a side topic. But it does... It does... Uh, there is significance in, in why those are important to understand those differences because those affect people differently. Uh, so a stunting happens. If, if a person experiences either that one-time major trauma or the drip, drip, drip trauma in childhood, oftentimes that creates a major type of damage and the damage stunts growth and then that person becomes an adult and they go through their adult life as a child in an adult body. And that child in the adult body is essentially throwing temper tantrums and, and uh, oftentimes doing things like verbal diarrhea or their boundary issues are inappropriately loving. Uh, and that's what we see in things like people with sex addiction and stuff. While uh, it might look like they are just someone who's super loving and, and enjoys uh, multiple partners and lots of physical touch and all that stuff, it might be uh, actually like a child who does not have boundary issues and they are uh, doing all sorts of high-risk behavior that's actually causing... Uh, themself harm and other people harm and they're doing it in a way without a mature uh, understanding without a uh, 
ability to re- reflect and think and uh, be accountable for their actions. Uh, and, and in many ways, that adult is lacking a mature person in their life who's giving them the equivalent of you need a timeout, go to your room. You, you continue hurting other people. It's time for a timeout, go to your room, and we'll talk when you're not in the throes of this behavior. So this is important because we are now going to bridge a gap between conservatism and liberalism. When we see the general geographical breakdown of conservatives versus liberals, generally, conservatives are country people and liberals are city people. When you live in the country, there are things like private property and ranches with fences and in the city, it's, it's more stacked living, people living on top of other people on top of other people. There's a myriad of, say, Wi-Fi signals. Let's say you're living in an apartment complex in a signal and you turn on your Wi-Fi settings and just look at how many signals are in your home. There might be 75 Wi-Fi signals all sharing your airspace. So when we look at boundary issues in a place like the city, we're talking about loud car engines, tires making noise in the road, helicopters flying over, airplanes and jets flying over, music and thumping bass and cigarette odors and drug paraphernalia and condoms and garbage. And we're, we're talking about a plethora of boundary issues of all sorts of of noise not just through the ears but through the eyes and through the smell the smell of urine the smell of feces uh, and all sorts of other beautiful civilized things in the city I'm talking about more of the boundary issue things Um, and There is a type of drip, 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 drip trauma in city life that is different than what we see in the spaciousness of the country. Conservatives living in the country are not dealing with thumping bass, chronic thumping bass and tire sounds on the roads and... and, car exhaust and airplanes and helicopters and police sirens and ambulance sirens and neighbors on top of neighbors on top of neighbors and the sounds of televisions and foot stomping and fights and pots and pans and kitchen smells and rats and odors, constant interactions with potential crime, all of those things. We, We just don't see that similarity in the country and there is a t- 
type of drip, drip, drip horror and drip, drip, drip terror that does accumulate in people living in the cities. And much of those people are exposed to that before they are even conscious. They're exposed to it in the womb if you're living in the city and then as an infant and by the time that person is five years old, eight years old, they are accustomed and used to it. And one thing I do want to talk about as far as the stunting, uh, it took a team of psychologists, scientists, psychotherapists, researchers, about 30 years of documented evidence from about 1970 until, well, let's first talk about like 20 years. Most of this was 20 years of research, 1970 to about 1994. So 24 years of research of a mountain range of data accumulated from CAT scans and MRIs and brain scans and all sorts of, of data and research looking at Vietnam veterans and their brains and the short story I'm trying to get at here is that post-traumatic stress disorder PTSD post-traumatic stress disorder is not some kind of emotional or purely psychological it's 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 physical it is physical brain damage that when someone is under either that 9-11 type stress or that drip, drip, drip chronic stress that particularly happens to people in war zones, to the soldiers and the citizens in war zones, there is a constant drip, drip, drip parallel release inside that person's brain of cortisol being drip, drip, dripped from their own chemical body, from their endocrine system. Cortisol and adrenaline being released to deal with that stress of either the drip, drip, drip chronic stress or the one-time big significant stress of, say, a improvised explosive device blowing up, you know, all of their friends in a Jeep or something. Uh, the one-time stress or the drip-drip-drip stress, either way, there is a cortisol release and cortisol is like a corrosive acid and it literally eats, dissolves the parts of the brain where memory is stored, where language is stored, where emotions are stored, uh, memory and language in particular I want to focus on where the hippocampus and other other parts of the brain but let's just talk about the hippocampus here is dissolved it is eaten by that cortisol rapidly eaten so we know that stress is the number one killer stress is the number one disease when we're talking about post-traumatic stress disorder we're talking about stress something so stressful or chronically stressful that actually physically gave a person brain damage and that brain damage is 
Well, the problem is this is this is the hard part to explain quickly is that if you damage someone's brain in their languaging center, language is so complex that it's not just the ability to use words to express how you're feeling through your words. It's also the ability to recognize someone else saying how they're feeling or to hear the words of what someone else is saying. And it's also the visual cues because the prosody, the sound, the pace, the cadence, the rhythm, the prosody of how someone is speaking is giving much more information than the actual words they're using. The tone, the cadence, the pace, the rhythm, the persona, just the sound, the prosody. Uh, and then all of the body language and facial cues. A person's face and body language is giving all sorts of cues. So the person with PTSD has brain damage where they do not have that ability or they're lacking that ability or that ability is stunted to not only they themselves have the words to appropriately communicate reality or to communicate their own experiences and feelings and needs, thoughts, but they lack the ability to appropriately and skillfully understand and see and hear what others are saying through their actual words, body language, facial expressions, and prosody. So a person with PTSD is stunted. When we're talking about codependent people, we're talking about a stunting that happened when they were children. And now that they are adults, they are walking around still as children, except now they are in adult bodies. Able to vote. <laughs> able to have a favorite political party or, or affiliate or identify with the party that, that resonates with them. My theory is that liberals, by and large, are codependent people. That liberals, by and large, are stunted. They are children in adult bodies. And that, by and large, conservatives are mature. They haven't gone through that same stunting. Now, I don't want to just break it down completely like that because it is complex and there are nuances. But generally, people growing up in urban areas are liberal and generally people growing up in conservative areas, in, in, in rural and farm and, and spacious areas are conservatives. Uh, PTSD surely exists in many adults uh, if you send someone off to Afghanistan or, or Iraq or, or 30 years, 40 years ago to Vietnam, uh, you are sending an 18-year-old adult to go fight in a war. So that, that adult 
who's coming back with PTSD, it's different than someone growing up experiencing that PTSD before they're even born while they're in their mother's womb. That's a complex issue to dive into. So trying to do something a little bit shorter and briefer here just to begin highlighting and illuminating and illustrating what we're seeing politically and what we're seeing psychologically. There's a couple more things that we need to say about codependent people before we compare codependence with what we are seeing medically throughout the world right now from our leaders and health officials. Codependent people place others above them or below them. They're either placing someone on a pedestal above them or someone below them. Codependent people see others as better or worse than them, which really comes down to what we call self-esteem. In short, codependent people either lack or have trouble with their own self-esteem. They don't know who they themselves are, so therefore they acquire their sense of self through other people because they don't have a sense of self. They don't know who they themselves are. Their sense of self is codependent with someone else. It's from someone else. They're getting their sense of self from either other people or from someone else. So that brings it back to, say, a child in an adult body. We wouldn't expect a five-year-old to have a strong, independent, equal sense of self. That five-year-old has an adult in their life who is better and stronger and more capable. And does that make sense? So the codependent person is lacking a sense of self and they are gaining their sense of self from someone else the way a child does. The next thing we need to say about a codependent person is that you know that song, you gotta know when to hold it, know when to fold it, know when to walk away, know when to run. That song, that song kind of seems to be a good, uh, little good ditty about what I'm going to try to say here with codependent people. Codependent people don't know whether to hold it and when to fold it. They hold their emotions in when they should be expressing them and then they express them when they shouldn't. That might be called uh, the politics of inner expression. 
basically codependent people lack that personal political understanding of when to show it and when to not show it. This brings us into the next segue of what we are seeing politically, that enmeshment of politics with medicine right now on a bigger global socio-societal, social-psychological worldwide tyranny, this, this medical vax supremacy and mask cultism and scientism that we're seeing globally right now rapidly dominating all political spheres right now Therefore, to begin with, let's talk about the latter and work our way towards the former of what we were just addressing. With the latter of not knowing when to fold it, not knowing when to show it, not knowing when to express it, holding it when one should be expressing and expressing when one shouldn't be. We're seeing that right now with a lot of people um, to the extreme end with the plethora and the snowball effect of more and more injuries from these mandated vaccinations. We are seeing more and more people now expressing the damage done, their injuries, their paralyzations, their injuries to their heart and pericardium and nervous system, circulatory system, blood clots, all of these things. We're now seeing people expressing their regret of having made the choice, if you can call it a choice, to have taken the jab. So now they're expressing when maybe they should have been expressing prior to that decision. Uh, And working our way towards the former, you could very reasonably say that the person lacked a sense of self, a strong and independent sense of self, so they were relying on the quote-unquote expert. They were relying on the medical expert uh, as an authority in their life. It's one thing to recognize that someone might be a specialist, that they are a specialist, but that does not mean they are an authority. It does not mean that they are better than you. So what we're seeing in this Vax supremacist movement is many, many, many. The norm is children in adult bodies telling people to trust the science and trust the science and placing people like Anthony Fauci on a pedestal instead of placing one's own sense of self and uniqueness as being independent and mature. So that's a complex thing to wrap the brain around, and I'm hoping you're getting what I'm trying to get at and illustrate and highlight here is that it is children in adult bodies who are dependent 
on someone else for their own decisions and their own sense of self. If you don't have a strong sense of self, you're going to be relying on political leaders and health officials to be in charge of even giving you your own direction in life and your own sense of self. With that understanding, you're able to gain a broader understanding of the boundary of your own self. My question to you is, how has your journey been from childhood to adulthood? Where are you in your maturity and your sense of self? How do you feel within your community and with your friends? Do you find yourself placing some people on a pedestal above you and other people below you? Do you rely on others for your guidance or do you feel self-guided or do you feel guided by something deeper, higher, bigger, grander? Uh, the other thing I'm curious about is were you born into a family or some kind of lineage that identified politically one way or another, liberally, conservatively, Republican, Democrat, and did that change? Did the family that preceded you stay entrenched, feet dug in, or did their beliefs change? Has this episode helped given you a broader awareness to maybe some of your friends and family members, co-workers, colleagues, bosses, employees. And also I'm curious as to, were you born in a rural area or an urban area or suburban and did that change? Did you move from one to the other and see the differences and does one call to you more than the other? Does one feel more comfortable, more at home? In the very middle of this podcast, I was talking about PTSD and brain damage, literal brain damage, and that brain damage specifically affecting the ability to see, hear, understand communication, facial expression, body language, words. My question to you as the listener is, can you see that there is such broad brain damage that it's actually part of the fish in the water scenario that is the daily conundrum that we wake up into when we are feeling WTF question mark, where we are wondering about our friends and family and how they just cannot see what is really going on. How they, how is it that they are so completely naive? and 
not seeing reality. They're not hearing it, they're not seeing it, and then to expound upon that, when you attempt to get into a rational conversation with them, on one extreme end, either there's a complete explosive verbal diarrhea reaction for them, or there's an absolute shutting down from them, like we were talking about with knowing when to show it and knowing when to fold it, where friends and family can't actually have a conversation or a dialogue about something that is absolutely important to be conversing and dialoguing about, but instead there's a blocking or shutting down or an inappropriate level of emotion, or there's just an absolute wall where it's like your words aren't even resonating with them at all. There's just a wall. And no matter how much you try to show them the reality, it's like potentially trying to explain something to someone who has severe post-traumatic stress disorder where the very part of their brain that in a healthy person would hear and see what you're saying, they're just physically not able to. That it's actually a real type of very prevalent brain damage. So that same person is believing in these authorities that they're placing on pedestals in a very sort of naive child in an adult body way. And then you as a peer and an equal, they don't even hear or see what you're saying. It's complex and hard to understand. And hopefully this is giving you some understanding of what's this conundrum we're in and this catch-22 we're in. All right, until next time, there will be more.